Welcome to another episode of the Tech.eu podcast. My name is Robin Walters, and I'm here again with my co-host, Tech.eu reporter Shaheen Samavati. Hey, Shaheen, how are you? Hi, Robin. I'm doing fine, thanks. As always, great to have you back on the show. First, I just wanted to mention that I've recently been to Rome. It was actually my first time to Rome. That was two weeks ago. And very coincidentally, I went back to Rome this week, the week that we're recording at least. Um, so that's twice in two weeks, and that was actually my first time but for different reasons. Um, the reason I was there last week was for European Commission stuff. Uh, they were making a number of announcements because it was the 60th anniversary of the Treaty of Rome. So lots of officials in town uh, and they kind of abuse it to <laughs> also host a digital day, uh, which I was there for. Uh, but the real reason that I went to Rome two weeks ago was to actually explore the, the startup ecosystem there. I like to go to cities uh, sometimes just without any conferences going on and just spend a few days there talking to as many people as I can. Um, so I did that for Stockholm, Valencia, uh, Amsterdam, etc. in the past. And Rome just kind of randomly came up a few months ago in the conversation with a friend who lives there now. So I went to Rome and I actually had not so great expectations because uh, if you look at Italy being, you know, the fourth biggest country in Europe in terms of economy, in terms of GDP, I actually feel, and I've always felt this way, that Italy kind of punches below its weight rather than above its weight. It's a huge economy that's so much talent. There's such a great amount of good universities there. Um, they're pioneers in entrepreneurship. They've always had, they always have been the Italians. Um, so it's, it's really a miracle to me that there aren't many or not at least enough big tech companies com coming out of that country. And even the, the venture capital scene, if you look at all of Italy, I think last year they raised about a hundred to 120 million uh, euros in total, which is just about the amount that a Belgium or, or Poland even, you know, raised in terms of, uh, startup funding. So. So that's all very low. But I did go to Rome with few expectations. And I, did, I do have to say that there were a number of startups and a number of initiatives, a number of people that I met um, that kind of make me more hopeful for Rome and Italy as a whole. Although I still think it's very, very early days. It feels like it's the stuff they're doing now is really good, both government, both the Roma Startup Association, which I was invited by, uh, both some of the startups, the accelerators, the investors I've met, all doing great things. But it feels to me that are almost five, six years late in the game. So they should have started this many, many years ago. But of course, you can't blame them for trying better late than never. Uh, but still, you know, it feels almost like a shame, almost you know, embarrassing in their place that it's still so small and so early stage in, in, in Rome and in Italy. These are just a few of my thoughts. I have a lot more and I also got a lot of information and numbers and figures from the Roma Startup Association. So you can expect a, a much deeper article on Rome and Italy as a whole soon. Uh, but for now, these are my thoughts. It's very early stage. It's small and it's a lot smaller than it should and could be. Okay, so I'm going to get into some of the top funding rounds from the week, but on the topic of the uh, Italian ecosystem, I can highlight a kind of promising startup from Milan. It's uh, Motoke, a company that just announced a $10 million round from 83 North with participation from Zobito. It's the first funding round the formerly bootstrapped automotive marketplace startup has raised. The company says it's going to use the new funding to add more tools to its suite of products and launch in more uh, European markets in addition to Italy, Spain, the UK, France, and Germany, where it's already operating. And the company also plans to hire for some key roles at its new London headquarters, where it's in the process of moving to. 
So the Italian company will soon become British, I, I, I see. Um, so as often happens. Uh, and also that's, that's part of the reason that um, Italy and places like Lisbon is the same. You see these companies often putting their HQ in London as soon as they you know, move management there or have like a sales office there. And then it screws the numbers, of course. Um, but that's another story. Um, and I'm always amazed that companies that are bootstrapping for so long end up raising these big rounds, these first big rounds, like a 10 million rounds is the first institutional funding you raise. So I'm always kind of amazed. But I guess it also means that you have the traction and momentum that you really, really need to cash to accelerate the model that you've already proven uh, is working. So, um, okay. So that's for uh, Moda K. So <laughs> one of the, the other top stories from last week, uh, it's also related to funding. Um, SoundCloud, Berlin-based company, announced that it's taking in uh, $70 million in debt funding uh, from RS Capital, Prios Capital, and Davidson Technology. Apparently, they were having talks to sell to Spotify uh, last year. They also reportedly fell apart in uh, December. And then SoundCloud warned in January that it actually could run out of money um, if it didn't attract more paying customers. Um, so that's the streaming product, uh, SoundCloud Go, that they launched very recently. Um, and apparently now they found a medium-term solution, uh, raising debt funding, which they've done before, actually. But however, despite being one of the world's most popular music platforms, they still have about 175 million registered users. SoundCloud has struggled to translate that into profits um, so far. So we'll see how that goes in the future. Yeah, that's true. And like you said, the subscription service that the company introduced last year doesn't seem to be gaining too much traction. So it'll be interesting to see with this new funding if they'll be able to solve that. So um, now let's take a look at Israeli vehicle communication startup Autotox, which raised $30 million in a Series D round from new and existing investors, including Israeli institutions, Fraser McCombs Ventures, Vintage Investment Partners, and Samsung Catalyst Fund. Autotox, which is based in Israel, develops chipsets for V2X, meaning vehicle to everything, communication in cars. And the company expects to benefit from a new U.S. policy that requires short-range communication on all new vehicles by 2023. And then the largest financing round of this week was raised by German online lighting retailer Lampenwelt.de. The company raised 120 million euros from UK venture capital and private equity firm 3i, which will also provide the company a short-term loan of 54 million euros. Lampenwelt.de, which was founded in 2004, offers a selection of more than 50,000 lamps and says it had revenues of 61 million euros in 2016. The company does business in 12 countries and claims to be the leading online retailer of lighting products in Europe. Yep, and I really like your pronunciation of their name. <laughs> I don't speak German. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I don't speak German either, actually, but uh, I do know that it means lamp world, so there you go. And how would you say it? <laughs> and meanwhile, the, the Russian company Kiwi, uh, which is an electronic payments operator, they announced that they're buying also a Russian um, startup called Flocktory, uh, and they produce uh, SaaS software for customer management. Um, Kiwi has agreed to pay about $14 million in exchange for an 80% stake in the startup. The other 20% of the shares will continue to be held by the founders and uh, certain key employees of Flocktory. A little bit more about Flocktory, they've developed a SaaS platform, as I mentioned, for customer management and personalization, primarily to be used in digital marketing. Uh, the startup creates automated marketing solutions for e-commerce, financial, media, and travel industries using data collection and analysis. So Flocktree, they've previously raised about 220,000 in seed rounds and 1.5 million in Series A round back in 2013. Um, in other news, last week, and this is also re related to Russia, uh, last week the Chinese internet giant Alibaba, they've announced the plans to team up with Mail.ru and others to enter the international game distribution industry. And they're doing it in a big way. Alibaba announced that they're 
uh, planning to invest about $150 million into the effort. So the Russian internet group, Mail.ru, uh, they're a major player, of course, on the Russian, but also increasingly on the global online game scene. And the newly created alliance will aim to enhance mobile game distribution between China and Russia, but also Europe, Japan, Middle East, and USA, and to optimize local users' gaming experience. Now, for something different, um, we recently hosted a Mobile Sunday event in Barcelona, and we caught up later in the week with uh, someone very interesting, Gregor Gimme. He's the founder and the head of BMW's startup garage. And we talked about their you know, the corporate accelerated program and the way that are actually different from others. They're quite unique. Um, so I invite you to listen to the interview with Gregor and I hope you agree that they're quite unique. Check it out. Hey, this is Robin from TechU. I'm here in Barcelona for four years from now conference and I'm here with Gregor from BMW Startup Garage. What do you do? Hello, great to be here. Um, we are a venture client unit uh, for the BMW group, which means that we work with early stage startups and engage them in a client-supplier relationship, which basically means we look at, for example, let's say a startup comes up with a great sensor. We do the diligence. If it's really the best out there, then we uh, give them a purchase order and a proof-of-concept project. And by that, they get to work with the business unit. Um, and after four months, we see that this is really the greatest sensor out there. We develop a long-term relationship with them. And you didn't say the words accelerator, venture arm, or, or incubator. So it's a, it's a quite a unique model, isn't it? Yeah, we think so. We, we thought about setting up an accelerator, but then we thought there are many great accelerators out there and many great early stage venture capitalists and rather work with them and be kind of the next stage for the startup at the point when they have some kind of functional prototype and they need a client, a first client, an early adopter, which I think really helps them in, in their growth and, and validation of their of the technology. And we think this is a much more efficient, more effective, both for BMW and the startup. You buy from startups, you help them grow, you're the first client, uh, reference client as well. But then what happens? Do you also, like BMW Group, do you also have like follow-up investments? Do you also acquire some of the startups that you work with? Or what, ha what happens next? Well, the main thing that happens next is that we would probably uh, hook up startups with our tier one, with our network. So they can uh, scale their product for us. And we will also network them further within BMW because many times there's more than one business unit who needs that technology. So that's really the main thing, to generate further purchase orders for the startup. We also have a venture capital group within BMW, which is independent from the startup garage. And they also look into, for them, the startups that are in our program are you know, an additional you know, potential investments. But that's not our main goal. Would you recommend any corporate to it the way that you guys do it? Or is it depending on the structure and the culture? Or do you think this is the way to go for corporates to approach innovation and working with startups? I definitely think so. And we would benefit a lot from other corporates having a venture client unit. For example, imagine a startup comes to me and says they have been in the accelerator of a corporate. Uh, what am I going to do? I have my engineer call the mentor of the accelerator to talk about the startup. I'd rather have my engineer call the engineer at another corporate and see how they really worked and how the product really worked in a real business setting. And I want the engineer to tell the other engineer that they actually paid for that. Right. And, um, and, and that kind of reference um, would be great for us. And we also think that it's significantly cheaper and you actually get scaled. You can work with many, many more startups than in an accelerator setting. Right. How many startups would you say you've worked with to date through Startup Garage? 
Well, we don't uh, we don't publish any of those numbers. The important thing is that we are not limited by by batches or by the size of our room because startups don't have to travel. They don't have to live in Munich for three months or anything like that. And they don't have to work with my team. They work with the business units. So basically, um, I can have in you know hundreds of startups because if there are hundreds of problems within um, BMW that need to be solved by a startup, then then this is you know so it's really open in in, in that scale. And the, the only limit is the amount of problems, innovation challenges we have at, at the corporate. And do you scout globally? And how do you approach that? Like, how do you find interesting startups? Ninety percent of the startups we have interaction with are from outside Germany, Israel, North America, Scandinavia, lots of those. And um, first thing, a very strong interaction with accelerators, independent accelerators and venture capital and um, make ourselves known through, you know, conferences, um, through our own social media, like our own website and, um, and really have a strong value proposition that which is and communicate that as strongly as possible. And that's, that's really how we get a lot of interactions. Right. Um, what kind of startups do you look for? Is it automotive tech or is it really across the board, hardware, software, sensor technology, all that? It's really across the board. Most of the startups that work with us are not originally automotive because um, we, we look for startups that help us with the vehicle, our core business, but we also look for startups that help us with our manufacturing, with our factories, which are very important for our IT uh, software, uh, um, internal software, even for like after sales and services. So there's a lot, a lot of technologies within BMW that are applied in many other verticals, and we're just one of them, so we're really open for any kind. Gur, you, you have a pretty strong opinion on this corporate accelerators. You work with some of them. You also have a very strong sense of what you're doing. It's the right way to go. But how do you see this evolving? Like, how do you see... Because I see uh, accelerators becoming more vertical. I see them becoming more international. At the same time, corporate accelerators are kind of... I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but there it seems to be a little bit the hype is over. Uh, and now let's get to the real thing. Uh, how do you see this evolving? I think that corporate accelerators will end up closing. I mean, Coca-Cola just closed one in December. I just heard from another one from the Scout Group that's closing. But they still will want to continue to work with startups. And I think this kind of venture-client unit approach, um, that'll be the future. And I think money will go from corporates in independent accelerators or uh, either through universities or directly through them, but without generating a, without engaging them for, for a deal flow, correct? It's not like I pay you to bring me startups. It's more like a, we support accelerators worldwide because we think this is a great first step to prepare startups to work with a corporate. Yeah, I think that's really interesting and unique. So thank you so much for explaining it a little more in detail uh, and have a good conference. Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity to share. So that's it for this week. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We hope you're a regular listener. If you're not, you can fix that by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also follow tech.eu on Twitter at tech underscore EU. And we're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google+. Also make sure to sign up for our newsletter, which gives you a nice weekly overview of all the transactions we track in Europe. And thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye, Robin. Bye, Shaheen. 